The Law School of America. In tort law, debt in is an action to recover for the wrongful taking of personal property. It is initiated by an individual who claims to have a greater right to their immediate possession than the current possessor. For an action in debt in to succeed, a claimant must first prove that he had better right to possession of the chattel than the defendant and second that the defendant refused to return the chattel once demanded by the claimant. Detinue allows for a remedy of damages for the value of the chattel, but unlike most other interference torts, Detinue also allows for the recovery of the specific chattel being withheld. History. Historically, Detinue came in two forms, Detinue sur bailment and Detinue sur trover. In Detinue sur bailment, the defendant is in a bailment relationship with the claimant and either refuses to return the chattel or else has negligently or intentionally lost or destroyed it. The onus is on the bailey to prove that the loss of the chattel was not his or her fault. In Detinus or Trover, the defendant can be any individual in possession of the chattel who refuses to return it to the claimant. A defendant could be a finder or a thief or any innocent third party, and the claimant need only have a better right to possession. Early writs and forms of action were exceptionally narrow in scope. This is reflective of the basic conservatism of the common law courts in the middle and late medieval period. This was in contrast with the courts of equity which were creative in producing novel writs for many new fact situations. Compensation in those days was usually not in money, which was rare, but in land, livestock, or furnishings, as these were the typical measures of wealth. What the plaintiff wanted back was the land, cattle or even coins lent. Maitland suggests that in the earliest time the writ of debt seems almost to have been designed to recover identical coins. The early writ of debt new was specifically designed for recovery of a chattel wrongfully detained, but not an action to recover loss due to a chattel being harmed while the defendant had it. Two facts mark the early common law actions. They were defective because of the wide field which was excluded. They were also defective because the plaintiff might well think himself entitled to a remedy, but by reason of the procedure found that he went away empty. The defendant to a writ of debt or debt new might bring others with him who would swear that his denial of the claim was true. This was technically called his wage of law or wager of law. It was enough to dispose of the plaintiff's claim. A common way to escape all writs, even the writ of right, as well as debt and debt new was to claim sickness. If the jury found him in bed with his boots off, the custom was to delay the writ for a year and a day. Relation to Replevin One of the oldest actions in the royal courts was Replevin which had its roots in the law of customary courts. Strictly speaking, Replevin in its original form was a provisional remedy. Its provision was to procure for the plaintiff the return of chattels taken out of his possession until the right to their possession could be decided by a court of law. No doubt, it was designed to avoid quarrels likely to cause a breach of the peace pending a settlement of the dispute about the right to possession. In other words, the rule of law was beginning to replace that of local force of arms and personal conflict as the resolution of disputes over chattels. The action was in direct succession to the efforts made to regulate self-help, which were the origin of the law of tort. The form of legal recourse was in connection of distress, distractio. This was the practice of taking some chattel from the peasant or underling until some action was performed. In the medieval era the services for which distress could be levied were numerous, since the incidents of tenure were then very numerous. Distress was also liable as damage feason. When animals strayed and did damage to a neighbor, they could be retained until the damage was made good. Whether or not the distress was levied for rent or for livestock damage feason, the owner of the animals could obtain their release by giving gauge and pledge, a form of security that the damage would be made good. One peculiarity of distraint lay in the fact that the distrainer did not get any form of legal possession. The goods and chattels were considered to be in the custody of the law. As a result, there was no taking of possession by the distrainer that was unlawful, since no possession was technically inferred. 
the action in Replevin began to appear in the 13th century. It seems clear that originally the action of Replevin lay simply where the question to be determined was that of wrongful distress. Excess and abuse of distress was punished. The mere claim by the distrainer that he had a right to the chattels distrained was a technicality that ended the action in Replevin. It was then necessary to refile using a new writ invented in the early 14th century, called the writ de propriete probanda, a writ concerning the proof of ownership. Alternatives to Replevin. Since the distrainer did not get possession, he was not originally liable in trespass, and the spheres of the two forms of action remained distinct. During the 14th century, after some vacillation by judges, it was held that the plaintiff could elect which remedy he chose when the chattels had been distrained. It was also held that replevin could be used in place of the writ of trespass de bonus aspertatus, trespass by the aspartation of goods. In reality, there is little evidence this substitution ever occurred with any frequency, if at all. The rule involved interference with the possession of a chattel by the rightful owner. The 1856 case of Many v. Blake gives what Potter calls an admirable survey of the law of replevin. There it was stated. It seems clear that replevin is not maintainable unless in a case in which there has been first a taking out of the possession of the owner. This stands upon authority and the reason of the thing. In the law of torts, John Fleming wrote, from medieval times, there has also come down to us a summary process, known as replevin, by which a man out of whose possession goods have been taken may obtain their return until the right to the goods can be determined by a court of law. Replevin arose out of the need of a turbulent society to discourage resort to self-help and although for a long time primarily used in disputes about distress between landlord and tenant, it was gradually expanded to cover all cases of allegedly wrongful dispossession. If the plaintiff wanted return of his chattel in specie, replevin was a more appropriate remedy than either trespass or trover in which only damages could be recovered. Restoration of the property is, of course, only provisional, pending determination of title. It depended upon an original unlawful taking by the way of distraint. During the 17th and 18th centuries the action of Trover largely replaced trespass for wrongful distress. Replevin and Trover never completely coincide because there was a limitation on Replevin. Replevin remains the modern action, albeit defined by statute, for recovery of chattels pending a decision of the right of possession. It lies only where the possession was taken from the plaintiff, whether under color of legal process or otherwise, by an act having the nature of a trespass. Detenus or Trover. During the 15th century, this plea gave rise to a special form of the action of detenu known as Detenus or Trover which should be distinguished from the action of trespass on the case Sir Trover. The latter would be shortened into simple Trover. Littleton remarked that the count or plea of per interventionem Sir Trover was a newfound holiday. The action probably represents the development of a simpler form of pleading in which it was unnecessary to allege by what means the chattel had come into the defendant's hands. Nevertheless, the Count Sor Bailman and Sor Trover seem to have had the effect of drawing a distinction between two forms of action, Detnu Sor Trover and Detnu Sor Bailman. This distinction represented the recognition of the two forms of wrongful detention, one based on a purely tortious wrong and the other connected with an agreement between the parties. Detnu Sor Trover is of greater interest in tort because it covers a more general field. It was distinguished from trespass since it did not involve any interference with the physical possession of the plaintiff. It did not depend on a failure to fulfill a condition to return the chattel which had been delivered to the defendant. There was no necessity for an agreement between the parties. There were certain defects in detinus or trover. Voyager of law was a possible defense in certain kinds of cases. Voyager of law involved the use by a defendant of witnesses, some of whom may have had no knowledge of the case to testify. If a large number of these witnesses testified, the defendant would prevail. It was a form of sanctioned perjury. 
the courts began to severely limit wager of law by the middle of the 14th century. No action lay where the chattel was returned but in a damaged or impaired condition. In 1478, Catesby said, and in the same manner I deliver my robes to you to keep for me and you wear them so that they perish, I shall have an action of detinue for in all these cases the property is not altered, and afterwards an action on the case and recover damages for the loss sustained by your using the clothes. The same opinion was reiterated in 1510 by Sergeant Moore, although an action would lie for trespass in the case. In the cases of a chattel damaged or destroyed, the plaintiff must choose some remedy other than detinue. This was also true if the bailey dealt with the property in an improper manner as noted by Littleton in 1462, I bail to you my cloak and you burn it, I will have a writ of trespass on the case against you, and not detinue. It was doubtful whether detinue lay where, after bailment, a third party had destroyed the chattel bailed. The action lay against a bailey who had himself been responsible for the loss, as where a charter had been found by the jury to have been burned. It was disputed whether this remedy applied to the action of a third party. Judge Bryan said, if I bail my horse to a smith to shoe and he bails it to another smith who damages the horse in action will not lie against him. The second party was a stranger to the bailment, but the other justices were opposed to this opinion of Bryan. By the time of Brockton, the old preference for an action in trespass exclusively was seen to have softened somewhat, with certain actions allowed against a third party in detinue. This began to make wager of law ineffective as a defense. The judges of the time were growing wary of the wager of law as a legitimate defense, anyway. This attitude allowing detinue was not universally held, as can be seen from the cases noted in this section. Detinue separated from debt. Glanville described one action which had features of both debt and detinue. They were the same. In his time, the form of the writ was a demand for a sum of money which could be issued for various reasons. Debt or detinue could be demanded for return of the loan of money, the price of sale, the loan of a chattel, letting to hire or a deposit. The writ was available for a creditor against a surety on the default of the principal debtor. Glanville speaks of debt and its writ as being a retrieval of debt that is due, or detinue. Later, and by the time of Brockton, detinue had been more or less separated from primary actions in debt, detinue had come to be restricted to actions against baileys. After Brockton, the special situation of de bonus aspertatus, the taking of chattels by a bailey or theft of these from a bailey gave rise to the special situation of Trover. Trover became fully formed in the reign of Elizabeth I. By the end of Brockton's life and into the reign of Edward I, debt was confined to contract law, while detinue was concerned with the developing issues of personal property. Breaking the bulk. Occasionally, the issue of a transporting agent, a bailey who was charged with moving chattels would open the wrapped packages and misappropriate the contents. This was called breaking the bulk. In 1315, an action in detinue was allowed for breaking the bulk. Later, in 1473, breaking the bulk was determined to be a felony, and not an action in pure detinue. Detinue in United States law. In the United States, detinue is a possessory action having for its object the recovery of specific personal property and damages for its detention. At common law an action of detinue would lie for the recovery of specific personal property unlawfully detained, or its value, and for damages for its detention. Detinue differs from replevin in that possession of the chattel in controversy is not changed until after the judgment in detinue, whereas in replevin possession is changed at the beginning of the proceeding. The gist of an action in detinue is that the defendant is wrongfully in possession of personal property which belongs to the plaintiff whereas replevin lies only where there has been a wrongful taking or seizure of the property. Detinue is distinguished from common law trover which is for the recovery of damages for the wrongful conversion of personal property. In modern practice, detinue has been superseded almost entirely by statutory actions for the recovery of personal property. England and Wales. In England and Wales, 
Debt Nu was abolished from January 1, 1978 by the Torts, Interference with Goods, Act 1977. However, the tort of conversion was extended at the same time to cover circumstances that had previously been covered only by Debt Nu. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America